This is Victoria of TheUnleashedHeart.com, and you're listening to Grieving Voices, a podcast for hurting hearts who desire to be heard, or anyone who wants to learn how to better support loved ones experiencing loss. As a 30-plus year griever and advanced grief recovery method specialist, I know how badly the conversation around grief needs to change. Through this podcast, I aim to educate grievers and non-grievers alike, spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whatever time it is that you're listening to Grieving Voices today. Thank you for being here, and thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving a review if you have, and if you haven't, I'd love for you to do so over on Apple Podcasts, if you would. And I love sharing those with others on social media, so please share if you feel inclined to, and if you find this episode or this podcast helpful. And if you're kind of shy with sharing a review, then please share it with someone privately that you feel could benefit from this episode or this podcast. So today is a takeaways and reflections episode, and it's kind of been a hot minute since I've recorded one of these. Uh, This is really my busy time of year and uh, between kids sports and uh, full-time work and clients and things. It can get a little uh, little bit hairy <laughs> in the schedule. So these I'm leaving for every few episodes when I feel like I really got something to say. So it's been a few episodes since the last one. And in the since the last Takeaways and Reflections episode, I've spoken with and shared conversations with Martika Wiley, which was episode 115. 116 was with Reed Peterson, and episode 117 was last week's with Phil Cohen. And I'll kind of touch on each of those, but what really has come to light today for me, and you know, this episode's probably going to go in a bunch of different directions because as I'm recording this, it's the afternoon and I'm had entirely too much coffee. Uh, typically, I drink. Uh, I drink a pot a day. Usually it's gone by 10, 11 a.m., but, or I take it on the road with me. But um, I, I've had to, re- because I drink a pot a day, I've had to reduce my caffeine intake, as you can imagine. Um, and so I, many years ago, I started uh, creating my own blend with Ticino. And if you haven't heard of Ticino, it is uh, good for you stuff in there. It's figs and chicory and basically the thing I think chicory root is what gives coffee its flavor um, and that's in Ticino but there's it's kind of it's an herbal coffee basically uh, and it's got probiotic in there no prebiotic excuse me prebiotic uh, they also have teas uh, but anyway I've been drinking this for years and it helps to lower the acidity of regular coffee and it doesn't give me the jitters, like too much caffeine, straight coffee would, uh, like I have now, because <laughs> I actually met a friend for lunch and just had too much straight black coffee. So 
anyway, that's my tangent on coffee. But I can tie that into grief because, you know, just like alcohol, I suppose, grief, that coffee can be a stirb for people, short-term energy relieving behavior, right? Or we might indulge in a daily, you know, real sugary coffee drink uh, to feel better, you know, if we're having a bad day, whether we reach for a an alcoholic beverage or something sugary coffee drink. I mean, that can be, that can be a stir. It can be something that you feel like you need to feel better in that moment. So I can tie everything to grief, but I just remember a time too, where my mom, you know, if she was struggling, she would sit at the, at the kitchen table and she would be drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes one after the other and you know it didn't matter what time of day she could still be drinking coffee and I can't do that anymore that used to be where I could drink coffee in the evenings but no way I got to cut myself off in the morning so drinking into the afternoon like today is I'm probably going to pay for it tonight but anyway and if Ticino if you're listening you want to sponsor this podcast please (laughs) reach out to me Uh, That aside, I do like Montana Tea and Spice Company. And no, they are not a sponsor. But again, Montana Tea and Spice Company, if you're listening, please reach out to me. But I love your teas. Evening in in Missoula is my favorite blend. Um, Anyway. Anyway, anyway. (laughs) Off of the coffee and tea talk. Um, Today, I want to talk about how to grieve. And... I actually Googled it, and it's interesting what comes up. And at at the top of it, the search comes uh, substance abuse and mental health services. I don't know, SAMHSA's National Helpline for, which was created for family members of people with alcohol abuse or drug abuse problems. I find that interesting that when I search how to grieve, that that's the first thing that pops up at the top. And I'll say that if you are struggling with substance use uh, problems, or you have in the past, or someone you know or love is, uh, it's likely that grief is at the root of that. I'll just leave that there. But here are some other things that come up. Uh, Helpguide.org has a post titled Coping with Grief and Loss. It's a from helpguide.org. WebMD. What is normal grieving and what are the stages of grief? I've talked about stages of grief on this podcast before. In fact, Ken Ross, the son of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who developed these five stages, uh, which was about people who are, you know, struggling with their own terminal illness diagnosis, was on the podcast a while back. Um, But what else? University of Washington Healthy Grieving Counseling Center. Grief is in the first line here says grief is a normal and natural response to loss. Yes, it is. Thank you very much for sharing that. University of Washington, that is what we share in grief recovery. Uh, Betterup.com has a blog post, how to process grief and find healthy ways to overcome loss. NPR, grief for beginners, five things to know about processing loss. So this one had me curious and I clicked on it. And there is one part in particular that caught my attention. And it talked about if after a year 
you feel stuck, you could be moving into what's called, quotation, complicated grief. And I just find that unhelpful to label any phase of grief because as if the year before, well, let me say this too. They say complicated grief is acute grief that interferes with daily function more than a year later. And my thing is, when I think about that and read that is, as if the year prior wasn't, was uncomplicated, right? It's as if the first year is not complicated, right? It's like, I think that has to be the most complicating year because you're thrown into it, right? You're, it's like you feel like you're in a, a small fishing boat in out on the sea and there's a storm, right? You just feel like you're being whipped each way and not knowing which way is up and it rocks your world. You are com- thrown completely off kilter when, you know, a big loss occurs. And it doesn't have to be a big loss either. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you can have a hope or a dream completely be taken away by something that happens, you know, where your dream, you know your dream will not be realized because something that occurred that makes that impossible. Yeah, people might say, well, nothing's impossible. Well, for instance, you know, my son wanted to join the Marines and he had an accident that completely severed his pancreas and that is impossible. He cannot join the military. He has a severed pancreas. <laughs> so that is an impossible dream. That's grief as well. There, you know, it's a loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations is grief. So to say that, to say that there's a complicated phase of grief, I just feel like it's all complicated. It, it is all complicated. And I feel like too, you know, this part that says acute grief that interferes with daily function more than a year later. Okay, so if it's after a year and you're still having these issues, it's still just grief. And I don't mean just, it's still grief, period. And I think we fool ourselves into believing or thinking that we are fine. And so we go about our daily lives, let's say two, three, four, five, six years into grief after a loss or after a dream is shattered, right? We go about our lives and we think we're fine. In fact, people ask you, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine, we say. In grief recovery, we say fine as feelings inside not expressed. So if we haven't addressed emotionally what happened in the past, it's always going to be there. It's always going to show up whenever we get our feathers get ruffled by someone else, whether we're trying to make a living, starting a new business, whether we become parents for the first time, or maybe first time to teenagers, because that's, trust me, I'm in the trenches of that. And it is no joke. Our grief grows with us. So to say that it somehow becomes less complicated, I think we're fooling ourselves. 
into this narrative that we are fine. And we put on this front that we are fine. When really it's impacting every area of our lives, but we don't connect the dots. We don't see that the repetitive behaviors or the beliefs that we have about our grief or our story of what happened or about our past, if we haven't found resolution to that, if we're continually searching for meaning to what happened, looking for the answer as to why, like why me, like if we're always looking for that, or we're looking to someone else to fill something, to fill that gap, right? We haven't addressed our grief, but we fool ourselves believing we have because things might be going well for a time, but as soon as that next loss comes, or as soon as someone says something that just really pains us or hurts us, we're pulled back in time. And if that happens, that you have unresolved grief. There's something coming up there to be sat with. And if we don't sit with it, or we sit with it and then we stay there, that's not good either, right? So one of the suggestions of that of that uh, blog post, this one that I'm talking about, and I'll put the link in the show notes so you can read it yourself, but one of the suggestions, and I 100% agree with this, is you want to keep moving between feeling the grief, feeling the sadness, and feeling the pain to restoration. It's feeling, it's, it's ping-ponging, as this article says, between the two. And as long as you're doing that, you are moving forward. And I fully can get, I fully back that up. I believe that as well. One of my uh, podcast guests here on this show had said one time, and I've never forgotten it. It's really stuck with me. I've used a, her phrase many times, and I give her full credit. And she says, when you lay, you decay. And I'll put the link to that episode in the show notes as well, because it's true. She herself had gone through grief recovery, and it changed her grief. It transformed her grief for her. And it is true. When we lay, we decay. And so if we're not constantly moving, not constantly, I hate to say that, and if we are not in motion with our grief, then it's probably overtaking us. It's filtering into all areas of our lives. We're not working through it and processing it. We're not digesting it. You know, I think I mentioned this before, and actually it came up in one of the um, episodes, I think. I'm trying to remember. There was, it came up with a guest. Maybe that episode hasn't aired yet, but where, um, oh yeah, it did. Ram Das. Uh, shared, you know, he had a coach or someone he had been working with who has a program that talks about emotional constipation. And we become emotionally constipated in our grief if we just sit with it way too long, like if we're wallowing in it. And that's healthy for a time. It is healthy to sit with it. But if you're not coming to that restorative aspect of it. If, it. if it's not something that's propelling you, okay, I'm feeling this way in this moment. 
today is not a good day. You know, it could be an anniversary, the anniversary of the person's death or the anniversary your life together that you started. Maybe it's your wedding anniversary or their birthday. You know, we have these special days that we share with people. And when those come around and that person's no longer here, those are really difficult days. And rightfully so. That person's not here. There's a void. But we can't fill that void with other things or other people ever. We just can't. But to sit in that gap, to stay in the gap, is not moving us forward either. It doesn't move us forward. It can, it can be the thing that propels us. You know, I think we, just like they say, um, people who are struggling with substance abuse disorders might have their rock bottom, right? I think, for me, I had a rock bottom with my grief. And I think we all get to that point eventually where there's just only so much you can take emotionally. That was true for me, and it I was pretty slow to the party. <laughs> It took me until almost till I was 40 to come to the party to realize that my potential uh, was suffering. I There was more cost to me not addressing my grief than I realized. I had the cost of my potential. I had the cost of my ability to make money. I had... It was costing me the ability to be the best parent I could be. It was costing me relationships, friendships, because I took things to heart. I thought people were out to get me. I just analyzed things to death. I spun my wheels on things that really didn't matter. So many different aspects of my life was costing me by not addressing my grief, by not facing it head on. And, you know, when I even say that out loud, I feel like people are going to roll their eyes and like, what do you mean facing it head on? I feel like I'm facing it head on every single day. I look in the mirror and it's right there staring right back at me, right? We are facing it every single day of our lives. The grief is always there. It's always staring back at us. But we can choose how we perceive it in our lives. And I think that's the shift that happened for me is I sought to change how I perceived my experiences, how I, how I felt about my experiences. I had to shift my perspective of my own story. That's really hard to do by yourself. And like my dear friend Patsy says all the time, she's been a guest on this podcast too. You can't see the label from inside the jar. Just like every single guest, Martika Wiley, Reed Peterson, Phil Cohen, every single one of them sought support and sought help. And so it doesn't matter how you go about doing that, when you go about doing that. But I will say it's never too late and it's never too soon. Do I wish I would have come to that awareness in my 30s? Yes. Do I wish I would have come to that awareness before I had kids? Absolutely. I would have been a very different parent. I guarantee that. 
it's so important that we learn how to grieve. Nobody knows how, really. We don't come out of the womb. I take that back. I was going to say, we don't come out of the womb knowing how to grieve, but yes, we do. (laughs) Yes, we do, because as young children, I'd say, when I say young, I mean under three years old, we 1,000% express ourselves authentically. We know how to express ourselves. We cry. We throw tantrums. That is part of the growth. That is part of the development. Before we have words and language, we have the ability to emotionally express ourselves. But the world around us shuts us down. Nope, your anger is not welcome here. Your tantrum is not welcome here. Your crying is not welcome here. You want to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. You want to be angry, go to your room. Right? As a society, we have not learned that emotional expression is a part of growth, is healthy, and that there are positive ways that we can do so. And we aren't taught those positive ways. And we aren't taught that all feelings and emotions are valid, that anger is valid. So if you're like me and you stuffed your anger, it's almost like you get, you know, you can get canker sores, (laughs) you know, bite your tongue, right? You get canker sores or, or whatever you're going through emotionally. It, for me, it shows up as canker sores. I get stressed. I get a canker sore. That's, that's how stress, stress manifests in my body. Some people, it might be increased blood pressure or heart disease. You know, we have enough stuff that happens to us, traumatic experiences or just life itself, the pressures of, you know, Just being human being, being a human being in relationship with people brings up a lot of stuff. And if we're not emotionally working towards becoming emotionally intelligent and understanding and knowing ourselves, I think half the battle is just knowing ourselves, which grief makes really difficult. That makes grief makes that a difficult task. And knowing and understanding ourselves, especially if you are a child griever and you've grown up with your grief. It takes a lot of skill and learning and education and trial and error (laughs) to uh, really kind of discern uh, what you need and when you need it when you grow up with grief. Um... You know, I've been watching this show on Netflix called Virgin River. And I actually finished all the seasons. And my consensus is that is this. If you haven't watched it, it's kind of like a This Is Us type of show, which I never watched This Is Us. But if you're a fan of This Is Us, it's the same gal that's in that show as in Virgin River. But anyway... I finished watching it and I thought, what is the theme or what is like the similarities with all of these characters for the most part? And they're all emotionally intelligent people. 
Like the characters are written as being emotionally intelligent, expressive with their emotions, honest about how they feel. And I'm just thinking, gosh, imagine if everybody talked this way. Imagine if society really was this emotionally intelligent. And I'm thinking, this is not real life. (laughs) This is not how society really actually is. But I bring this up because I think that you can learn a lot through the stories and how this show is written and how the characters speak to one another in dealing with situations. I've found it fascinating how grief is a real central theme of the show and how the show has been written to... You know, the characters have almost been written around the aspect of grief and challenging situations. And um, although a lot of the situations aren't like like typical day-to-day life, some are. But uh, anyway, I just find it interesting how emotionally intelligent all of these characters have been written to be. And I think there's a character for everybody. You know, if you watch it, um, I think there's someone for everybody that will resonate with. Um, Whether it's the character themselves or their story or what have you. But anyway, I found it to be a decent show to watch. And um, it brought up stuff for me, actually, as I, you know, some of the stories throughout. I just recommend it. I recommend it. To hear how, like I said, the characters respond and communicate with one another. I think there's a lot to learn in just how we communicate with each other, openly and honestly. And that's really what grief recovery is all about, too. It's uh, learning new communication and finding the language and expressing it how how we feel with this with the new language right we just we don't have the language around grief and uh grief recovery gave me that it can give you that as well and on that note actually um at the end of november i will be launching an online group program and if you're interested stay tuned to um upcoming Upcoming episodes, um, takeaways and reflections, I'll probably put in updates and things on that. But if you'd like to stay in the loop on those on that program coming up, then I invite you to go into the show notes. And I have a link to my bi-weekly newsletter called The Unleashed Letters, where I share content not shared anywhere else. I get a little bit more personal there. And I share business updates and things like that. So I recommend that if you're interested in learning more about the online group program coming up. And otherwise, I think that's enough for me today. Um, I hope you found this episode helpful, maybe even a little entertaining. (laughs) And uh, yeah, check out the show notes for this article I kind of I referenced and previous episodes with Martika and Reed and Phil who all individually share um, their wisdom of their experiences of 
finding their way to cope with their grief in the healthy way that they found for themselves. Because there is no right or wrong way to grieve, but there is a way. And people say you have to move on. People say you should just be over it by now, but no one really tells you how. And for me personally, I found the how with grief recovery, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. It's changed my life. It's changed countless other people's lives. And perhaps it could work for you as well. We don't know what we don't know. And when we've tried everything else, what else do we have to lose, right? A lot, actually. Because every year that passes, our grief is costing us. The pain of our grief is costing us. So there is a way to move beyond the pain of grief. We'll always have sadness, no doubt. But it's the pain that is really what is perpetuating the behaviors and the patterns and our beliefs that keep us from creating the change we desire. Learning new tools, new skills, new knowledge, and with action... Because knowledge without action is just knowledge. This program is all about empowering you and taking action. And that's a beautiful thing. So thank you so much for listening today. And I hope this message finds you well. And remember, when you unleash your heart, you unleash your life. Much love. From my heart to yours, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it, because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend.